Hey everybody, and this is not an episode of Transistor Radio. Yeah, you thought we were going to say welcome to Transistor Radio, but we didn't. Surprise! No, this is a special post that we wanted to put uh, in the Transistor Radio podcast feed. Um, So we had to change the name of our podcast, uh, which means our announcement was a little off from previously. So we just wanted to give you the full episode in your Transistor Radio podcast feed. Hello! So this is, or, or what you're about to listen to, is the very first episode of our new podcast, Still Inspired By. Uh, it's a podcast where Aaron and I talk about all of the things that have inspired us to be who we are today. There's a whole blurb on it, a website, and well, you're going to get to listen. subreddit. <laughs> and a subreddit. Uh, yeah, we have a subreddit, by the way, r slash story thus far. Come check us out. Um, so we've got lots of new things going on, and we hope that you will really enjoy this episode. So please listen to our first episode of Still Inspired By, and listen to me ramble on for far too long about Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> All right. Let's go. Yeah. Aaron, I want to tell you a story. Mm-hmm. This is the story of a young woman who didn't know she was a woman yet, who'd spent her whole life only getting to play games at other people's houses and experienced just little snippets of gaming as a whole. This is the story of how that same woman finally got her own console, a shiny new PlayStation 2. The story of how that woman fell into a universe-spanning adventure, crossing some of her favorite movies with anime tropes, wrapped into a compelling and mysterious setting full of hope, friendship, and the journey of three unlikely friends and their quest to save the world. This week, Erin, I want to tell you the story of how I fell in love with gaming, storytelling, and obtained a lifelong passion for all things nerdy and obscure. This week, I'm inspired by Kingdom Hearts. our talking point this week yes yeah and i've got i know so, so this is something that's that's very personal to me and i think uh kingdom hearts is is interesting as a franchise because i think it's fairly controversial some people love it some people hate it and think it's a terrible game <laughs> and i think there are people who are right on both camps <laughs> there's there's so many people who are just absolutely completely obsessed with it and i never even heard about it until it was already like kingdom hearts to electric boogaloo kind of yeah. stuff you know I also think it's a franchise that is very unapproachable. I think um, if you're someone who didn't play the first game, uh, you likely look at the game and the franchise and go, oh, you know, Kingdom Hearts 3 just came out. What do I have to play to get into it? Well, there's these 14 games. I think it's a 14. Is it actually 14? 14. No, I think it's, so I think it's nine. Oh, only nine. I think it's 10 To get to the third installment. Yeah, yeah, right? And the, the worst part is until... Like, it got a lot more approachable when that PS4 collection came out, but before that, you mm-hmm. had to own, I think, three different consoles to play all of the games. Because um, you had to have a Nintendo DS, a PS, uh, PSP, a Nintendo 3DS, and either a PS2 or a PS3. Okay, then. Uh, and then the PS4 collections came out and cleaned wasn't, that up. Wasn't there also like a mobile game you couldn't even get anymore? Yeah, there's a mobile game you can't play. But the PS3 collection has a has a or the PS4 collection has a cutscene that summarizes it all. <laughs> so this is a game that's really confusing, and I think it's a game that like it's it's challenging, 
And it's something that I, I love dearly. Mm-hmm. And I recognize that you, the listeners, and you, Aaron, may not have the same love that I have for this. So I want to explain. And I've got kind of three different things that inspire me about yeah. this game. And I think so to, so to start with, uh, and I kind of hinted this at the intro, but Kingdom Hearts is probably the reason I love gaming. Um, and for context, my gaming experience before Kingdom Hearts was limited to what I played at my friend's house, uh, or friend's houses. So I, my parents growing up thought video games were evil, uh, and they thought the internet was evil, and I had to work very hard to get them to believe otherwise. But eventually I managed to convince them that gaming was okay. Uh, and, and we finally got to go get a PlayStation 2. I don't remember whether I had to pay for it or if it was a Christmas present, but I distinctly remember going to the store and picking out the games and the consoles. And up to this point, all I'd ever gotten to really play was Nintendo consoles, specifically GameCube. Yeah. Uh, and the reason for that is my friend, uh, or my best friend at the time, was a Nintendo gamer. And by the way, I said that not to say that he is no longer my best friend, but la- rather... He was my best friend at the time. Anyway, uh, so he was a Nintendo gamer mostly. So he played GameCube games. So I mostly got to play stuff like Mario, which I'm not a big Mario fan. Uh, Super Mario Sunshine is good. Fight me. Super Mario Sunshine is really good. And I do enjoy it. But it is not like what I love about gaming. Um, I'm not a huge like platformer kind of person. Like, mm-hmm. That's not what I get into games for. And also the other games that he played and that we played together was stuff like Mario Party and, and cooperative games. So we played because they were games that you could play with friends. Right? right, right. So that was my experience of gaming. Kind of games that nowadays like have the stigma of being kids games. Right. Mm-hmm. So all that in context and especially the bit about my parents thinking gaming was evil. Going into the store and getting a PlayStation 2 and looking at all those games and recognizing that my parents would not let me have anything like Twisted Metal or Call of Duty or anything like... (laughs) Call of Metal and Twisted Duty. Yeah, for sure. I couldn't get any of that. But a game that has a bunch of Disney characters on the front and a giant heart in the background, which I'm referencing the Kingdom Hearts cover. So go look up the cover for the original game and you'll see what I'm talking about. (laughs) That game just screams parent-friendly, right? It's just the kind of game that, like, you pick this up at, at, at a game store, and even the most controlling parent is like, come on, it's got Mickey on it. Like, what could be wrong about this? <laughs> right? <laughs> and on top of that, like, so, so there's that aspect. So that's the reason I got this. I don't remember what the other game I got was. I think it was some kind of terrible, was it a movie tie-in game? I don't remember. There, there were two games I got, and mm-hmm. I, I remember Kingdom Hearts. That is the one that sticks out to me. And then, so, so there's another aspect to why I think this game helped me fall in 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 love with gaming and and i'll get to more of it but um i'm a very analytical person i like problem solving yeah crazy really about that i like problem solving (laughs) i like math i like number crunching and while i do have my creative streaks when it comes to like writing or Mm -hmm. podcasting in general i am happiest when i am solving a problem which ironically is why i like writing because the problem i'm solving is how do i get this plot line to work right <laughs> or or when i'm playing games i like That's getting great. to optimize i like getting to and i don't like solving puzzles but i like playing games where there is a best path and i can play with mm. my character and feel that out okay. but i also love story right like i like to write i like novels and and so for me like the combination of number crunching and problem solving and story is perfect and for anyone <laughs> listening going that's an rpg Yes, it is. And so is Kingdom Hearts. This is the first <laughs> RPG that I ever played. I loved getting to tear apart systems, 
maximize my stats, play with my builds. Um, there's this really cool AP system in the game, which Aaron, you've kind of seen me mess with because you watched me play Kingdom Hearts 1. Yeah. Um, and you get to take these, like, like you, you have a certain amount of AP and you can equip and unequip abilities freely. Mm -hmm. which is really cool from a game design perspective because unlike other games where you have to spend points to level up, like other RPGs that were popular at the time were still like turn-based JRPGs were, were very common um, as kind of like introductions to the RPG genre, especially on PS2 at right. the time. Um, but the AP system in Kingdom Hearts was let, let you just take all of these crazy combinations of abilities and... As someone who likes math and problem solving, the number of options available was insane. <laughs> there were so many things you could do. Way better than the stupid Mystic Quest I held. That was my first RPG was Mystic Quest on the SNES, which if you don't know what Final <laughs> Fantasy Mystic Quest is, you're not alone. It was a strictly American-only one, dumbed down as basic as you could get, purely because of how stupid they thought Americans were. So yeah. there weren't any stats to min-max. It was, this is your axe friend. <laughs> And oh my that's God. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and this was different. And I also think an, an, another thing that kind of really drew me into this game from a gameplay perspective, because, and, and there's more I'm going to talk about. Like, there's a lot that this game inspired. But if we're just looking at purely, like, mechanical gameplay, um, another thing that made this game kind of critical was that it's an action game at its core. Mm -hmm. And keeping in mind that I'm someone who doesn't have a lot of experience with video games at this time, it would be a lot harder to sell me on something like a turn-based game. I'm a stupid kid at this time who just loves watching things explode. And Kingdom Hearts is a game that at its core, you get to run around and smack stuff with a giant freaking keyblade. And the stuff that you smack is really cool because the monster designs are awesome. And you get to watch things explode and you get to play as this super like badass, spiky-haired kid who isn't actually that badass. Like, if you go play the game the second time, like, he's a badass in Kingdom Hearts 2 and Kingdom Hearts 3, but he's a, like, lovable jerk. He, he's a lovable idiot kind of badass. <laughs> and in Kingdom Hearts... But as a kid, seeing another kid in this game get to go do all these crazy cool things was awesome, and I got to do them with him. Self-insert Sora. Yeah, super self-insert. <laughs> um, but you got to... One of the nice things mechanically about this being an action game is you could beat this game, like, like if you're good enough, you can beat Kingdom Hearts on level one. In fact, they include an ability that lets you lock XP so you can't earn it for the people who want to have crazy challenge. Oh, okay. Um, so it's possible to beat the entire game on level one um, because it's an action game. So you can dodge and, and you can block. And that means that if you're good enough, you'll never get hit. But I was a stupid fucking kid. <laughs> I wasn't good enough to ever not get hit or, or block anything. In fact, I literally did not even equip the block ability as a kid. Cause I knew I couldn't time it right. Aww. So I didn't care. That's so sad. I just spammed dodge. And I did the other thing, which is I did grinding. <laughs> I did so much grinding you're, in Kingdom Hearts 1 as a kid. <laughs> you're the kid who they get a Pokemon red and they take their Charmander into the grass outside of Pallet Town and just beat the shit out of a bunch of Rattatas until it's level 100. Well, no, actually, maybe, but maybe I would be. But what's funny is uh, I don't think I was grinding 
because I wanted to just like make the numbers go up. Uh-huh. I think I, I I got partial satisfaction from that because I remember getting to level 100 and being like, hell yeah, I'm level 100. Yeah, screw you. <laughs> and for a long time, like this game made me feel like any game that had less than 100 levels was skimping on content. Because <laughs> the first RPG I played had 100 levels. Um, I feel that, and that's purely because <laughs> of Pokemon, actually. <laughs> um, but what's, what's funny about that is that for whatever reason I did the grinding, um, there were two things, which was, and, and I think a large part of it was just, I loved Kingdom Hearts so much as a kid. Mm -hmm. Like, I just loved the combat system and all of the abilities that I got to unlock, that getting to level 100, like, my favorite thing was just to go beat the shit out of stuff in that game. And the fact that I got experience and leveled up was just a side effect. Mm -hmm. So I think I just got to level 100 because I was like, I just want to go play as much combat as possible. And I just played this game. I think... Uh, my level one save by the time, or, or my first save in this game by the time I finished it had over 73 hours um, just played in this game. Because, again, I was a kid who had no other way to play this game. Oh, and fun fact, my parents at this time limited me to play two hours of games a day. So imagine wow, how long okay. 73 hours is when you can only play two hours of games a day. Good lord. And that's 73 hours based off of an average player's play speed, which is not what... How old were you? Uh, I was... 12? Yeah, not what a 12-year-old's gonna be doing here, problem-solving with that. Yeah, no, and, like, I sucked at puzzles, which was also probably a reason. I still suck at puzzles. Like, I can't solve puzzles in games to save my life. <laughs> like, like, if it's a literal puzzle game where it's, like, the point is to solve puzzles, sure. But if it's, like, this puzzle is to unlock a hidden piece of content, I will just steam by that because I don't look <laughs> for hidden content. And I am not capable of observing small details. I just, like... Oh, look, there's this weird out-of-place object. That must mean nothing. Oh <laughs> Move <gosh>. on. <laughs> and so all of that boils down to this game that, because I was, I love the combat system so much, even though Kingdom Hearts can be hard and unfair, I just outground everything. There was no challenge that a 12-year-old couldn't overcome if she just smacked her face into the combat system enough to just get her numbers bigger and yep. then go beat this level 30 boss because she's level 70. Yep. <laughs> and... That meant that the game was actually doable. So not only was it an RPG that was action at its core, so it had this approachable gameplay that I felt like I could pick up, but it had these numbers in the background that I could, you know, mess with and optimize. But wrapped around all of that, it inherently rewarded me for just playing a shitload of the game, which I wanted to do anyways, because I only had two games. And um, two hours. <laughs> and two hours a day. And all of that boiled down to a game that I, as a child, could actually beat, but still be <laughs> fairly complicated. Like, I recently, if you watched for the limited time that I streamed on Twitch, I did, uh, I would, I streamed this game, and this game is very challenging at points, because um, it's kind of unfair. Um, but again, if you just grind your way to level 100, you can beat any challenge the game throws at you. Mm -hmm. And so all that together, like combat system and building characters and crazy fun action that I enjoyed, like all of that made me like is still reflected today in the games that I love. Like this is, I feel, I feel like the first game that I found that qualifies as a me kind of game yeah. and other me kinds of games are stuff like Skyrim, uh, recent games like Greedfall and Destiny 2, where there's this like high level the combat's really easy but there's all these deep systems you can get into and this is the game that inspired that i can draw direct parallels from kingdom hearts to every other game that i've played and enjoyed for some reason huh all right yeah yeah i feel a lot of that like 
childhood nostalgia just kind of laying the foundation and i don't i just love that kind of aspect because i love the i'm kind of the opposite i love solving puzzles in games and so we did a lot of puzzle games and stuff we did actual literal puzzles for our family stuff sometimes and so yeah. when it came time for like platformers and you know little pushing puzzles or whatever i i love that shit so yeah whereas for me i was like i because i only got to play games so little the thing that was so exciting mm -hmm. was getting to like just play this action game and yeah. then all of the deeper stuff was just a, a rewarding benefit. <laughs> and again, like if you look at my favorite games released over the past 10 years, mm -hmm. even the games I'm most excited for coming up all have parallels to this kind of like action combat with supported deep systems. Mm -hmm. Yep. And we, we were the type who were actually raised on that kind of video game aspect. Like mm -hmm. I think my parents said they met at a, at D and D or some concert and then started becoming friends over D and D. And so from there they had that, we were raised with an SNES and an NES and then all the PC games. And so it's just like, that is such a stark contrast to how I got like washed into it and you are like desperately clinging, looking at the little yeah. drops of gameitude that come out of Kingdom yeah. Hearts. And I also well and <laughs> I also a think lot. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of game in Kingdom Hearts. And I and I also think that that's a factor in why I play as many games as I do today, or why I find myself wanting to play as many mm -hmm. games. And I've actually recently been trying to break this habit, but my old habit was always when I had nothing to do, I just went and played a game. Because again, think about the context of a, of a person who's raised in a household where games are outlawed until you have to argue for it. And then when you finally get it, you are allowed to play games, but only for two hours a day. Imagine what happens when that child grows up and gets old enough to afford their own games and set their own schedule. Guess how many nights I've stayed up until two in the morning playing games when I really had to go to bed at midnight. <laughs> And it's like, that, it's that I moved out of my parents' house so I can eat ice cream every night and you do it and you're just like, yeah, first you get a little sick and you're like, no, fuck yeah, yeah I like this. I like this. Yeah. <laughs> I also think this is why I have like an obsessive need to just buy games because <laughs> I currently have nearly 400 games on just my Steam account alone. Right. Right. I have this need to like get new games. So I'm like, oh, I can get a new game and play a new game and this would be great because I never got to do that as a kid. You have GAS, Game Acquisition Syndrome. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but jumping back to Kingdom Hearts, it wasn't just the gameplay that mm -hmm. sold me. There was another aspect wrapped into this. Uh, and there's two more. Hint, hint. This is a show where we have three things that we talk about. So <gasps> no it's a format. Way. But there really are, no, I think, three, three, yeah, three Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> there really are three things that I think boil down, that you can boil my, my love of Kingdom Hearts down into. And this second one is storytelling. Mm -hmm. And I think this is going to come across as weird to anyone who has just surface level played a Kingdom Hearts game. Like if you've just played Kingdom Hearts 1 and then 2 and then 3 and you haven't delved into any of the rest of the franchise or any of the deeper lore and you just played the game because it was a fun action RPG and that was it, you may not understand why I have this love of storytelling. Because the story of Kingdom Hearts is weird and convoluted and hard to follow. And it's, again, like it's spread out over 10 different games on multiple different systems and all of them matter to the plot. Literally. Every single one. Literally. Every, hey, you know that game I said you can't get anymore? Literally all of them, including that one matter. Yep, literally <laughs> all of them. And what's, what's interesting about this is if you actually look at the structure of Kingdom Hearts 1, and I'm gonna, I think I'm pretty much talking about the series as a whole, although we may talk, I may talk in another episode about Kingdom Hearts 2 specifically and Kingdom Hearts other games later. Um, but specifically looking at the Kingdom Hearts games, even the series as a whole, they still do this even up to Kingdom Hearts 3, the game is almost episodic in nature. Um, 
because the way the story typically plays out is the 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 main story has you going across and jumping to all these different worlds. And for Kingdom Hearts 1, the, the general plot line is that the Heartless are coming and they want to eat world's hearts. And the world's hearts are locked behind a keyhole. But somebody has opened all the keyholes and Sora has to go around locking them. That's why he has a keyblade. He's a keyblade master. And again, there is so much deeper stuff to this. But at a high level, that's what's going on. And But... When you actually get into the worlds, which most of the worlds are Disney worlds, um, there are some Kingdom Hearts original worlds, which are actually my favorites. Um, but there's, you know, like in the first game, some of the first worlds you go to are stuff like um, Agrabah or Aladdin, or you go to, um, you know, you go to the, oh my god, the place where Alice in Wonderland takes place. Wonderland. Why did it take me so long to get where Alice in Wonderland takes where place? Where the fuck is Alice in Wonderland and what is Obama's last name? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so, um, those worlds, those Disney worlds, their plot's almost completely disconnected from the main plot of the game. Because the Disney worlds tend to just be summaries of the Disney plots of the movies, and they're bad summaries. Yeah. Like, yeah. if you just watch someone play a Disney World, the story sucks. It was it was really fun watching you play because I am such a Disney fanatic. And hint, that's going to be an episode coming up. But, like, yeah. for real, the, just I know these worlds that you're going through and seeing how they go through plots. And it's just like, come on. Yeah. Well, and I think, though, but, like, again, thinking about being a kid playing this game... The Disney worlds were a nice pull-along, because you yeah, get into this absolutely. Disney world, and you're like, oh my god, I'm playing in the world of Aladdin. This is so cool. Whoa, Jafar. <laughs> I'm fighting Jafar. <laughs> like, that's cool. I murdered Jafar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's, that's cool. And that's an element to this game that really does get people in the door. But the thing that I love about storytelling, remember how I hinted that it's episodic? In between the Disney worlds, you get these hints at the deeper story. You get to explore what's going on with the Heartless and try and understand that. You get to figure out this weird, you know, plot line about Ansem. And in Kingdom Hearts 2, there's Organization 13, and there's all this weird stuff going on behind the scenes that you slowly get hints at. But you only get those hints between Disney worlds until you get towards the end of the game where you get to play some of the more the like Kingdom Hearts original worlds, and then you get to see all of these deeper elements really come to fruition. I will say like every single final level in a Kingdom Hearts game has kind of kicked a lot of ass. Oh, they kicked so much ass. Like Hollow Bastion in Kingdom super, Hearts 1 is Super insane. intense, dramatic, over the top. Oh, it's so good. Just... It's so good. Um, and I think that the, the custom Kingdom Hearts world and doling this story out um, over time meant that like I was it, it created this kind of love and this fascination in me with stories that are not immediately apparent when you read them that mm -hmm. have this deeper meaning mm -hmm. and when I played Kingdom Hearts 1 like I was confused and lost and then I went and but but that led to me doing research on it like I wanted to know like what were the heartless why were they there it led me to theory craft about this game and say like here's what I think is going on and the thing is that Kingdom Hearts, if you look at the first game and then the second game, the second game is a lot better at telling its story. Um, and I think it shows that Kingdom Hearts 1, in many ways, as a story, was kind of built to just be a Disney cash grab mm -hmm. from a story perspective. But the director behind it was like, no, I still want to tell a story. Right. Um, and what that leads to is, again, it's fairly disjointed in Kingdom Hearts 1. Mm -hmm. But it was enough that I got this again, this desire to learn more and, and uncover like the story and the hidden lore. And it, it, 
it pulled me into playing more of the game because I was like, what the heck is happening with Riku? Mm -hmm. What is he doing? Why is he suddenly evil? And on top of this, like, there's a lot of tropes in Kingdom Hearts from a story perspective um, that kind of tie back to other JRPGs or, or other Japanese games, but I'd never played any of them before. Right. So all of these tropes were brand new to me. Well, that, that, uh, that lore hunting kind of aspect of it, that's what I loved so much about Dark Souls, was that they have a story. There's a deep fucking novels-rich story that's going on underneath in all aspects of Dark Souls, but you don't see it if you don't, like, read item descriptions. It goes, well, what the fuck does that mean? And going into looking at Vati videos and stuff, you might say that Kingdom Hearts is the Dark Souls of <laughs> oh JRPG. No, Dark Souls <laughs> is the Kingdom Hearts of, story t of, of storytelling and go, RPGs. There you go. There you no, but l l jokes aside, that's actually what I loved most about that, and I can absolutely, especially after watching you play through the first one and parts of the second and third, like, I, I totally see that drive to go and dig more into that world and see the real meat, that because pe people put a lot of care into that story. Yeah, but I think, like, and this is interesting because Dark Souls has never grabbed me in that same way, and I think it's because when I approach Dark Souls, I approach it purely from the mechanical action perspective. The thing that I think Kingdom Hearts did really well, and the thing that I still really love about its story and why I defend its story, is it tied this weird obtuse lore together with a story that on the surface level is really easy to understand. It is about a friend who lost both of his two friends trying to save them. And there is a lot of payoff there, like just emotional payoff. You see Sora try and rescue Kairi, and you see the struggles there, and you see the struggles as he deals with Riku, being a dick dick yeah um and all of that again like it's fairly tropey right but like it's still done in a way that is fun to play through and doled out in a way that leaves you wanting more because you never feel like you get enough story at a single time um and then it's all paid off in the end with a lot of like loose ends wrapped up uh, in a way that's fairly satisfying from the main plot, but leaves a lot of questions about the underlying lore. All of that together has led to just in general, I prefer stories where I have to dig through and, and like try and solve them and think about them. Um, and uh, I unfortunately didn't think to think of any examples like this, but um, <laughs> for example, like um, Skyrim, and I think the Elder Scrolls in general, um, this is a franchise, this is another game franchise that I love, and its lore gets really freaking weird. Like, if you Google enough about the Elder Scrolls lore, you find out it's all someone dreaming it up. And it's... Spoilers. It's, it's so weird. It's so, it's so it's weird. It's so cool, but like, I discovered this, because of Kingdom Hearts, I have this love of diving into the lore, and I never would have read as many Elder Scrolls articles as I did about the lore if I didn't love uncovering those mysteries through the course of playing. And Kingdom Hearts mm -hmm. started all of that. And that shows up as well in things like my love for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because I love all these tied these movies tied together. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> and there are so many little hints and like all the Easter eggs. Like in many ways, the Cinematic Universe kind of has that Kingdom Hearts storytelling method where the main plot of the movie is self-explanatory, you see it in the movie, but then there's always these little tidbits and tie-ins to the other movies and the next movie. And like Especially after they realize that, hey, this is gonna be a thing post yeah. like what, two thousand nine. Yeah. <laughs> but just stuff like seeing uh Iron Man end with 
by the way, spoilers for the first time. Yeah, Iron if Man. you have not seen Endgame, <laughs> we will probably mention this in a moment, so you well, can go ahead and... Well, this isn't even... I'm not even talking about Endgame. I'm talking about just just little kid me, and I'm going to talk about Iron Man, fun fact. Um, <laughs> but just little kid me seeing at the end of Iron Man this stinger scene of Samuel L. Jackson hinting at the Avengers. Oh, yeah. Like, again... Little kid me, who is super obsessed with episodic storytelling, sees that and is like, there's going to be another movie. We're going to see more. Oh my God, this is going to be huge, right? Next time, baby. <laughs> Last scene eight years ago. Oh my God. Yeah, well. <laughs> so all of that tied together, like Kingdom Hearts now has not only ignited my love for action games with, with um, you know, deep mechanics, but it's also ignited my love for action games with deep storylines. Mm -hmm. Again, Skyrim, like one of my all-time favorite games most played. Um, one of my most looked forward to upcoming games is Cyberpunk 2077 because it takes all of these elements that I love and ties them together into a first-person shooter. Like all of the things that I am excited for, all of the movies that I watch and the books that I read. Like I love books that are series now because I like books that have little hints and tie-ins to future books. And oftentimes when I'm reading just a one-off, I'm like, you could do so much more with this. I always imagine the extra things that you could do if you spent more time with this setting or this book because I see all the things that you could take and run with from a like lore perspective. And fun fact, I mostly read fantasy books and, and science fiction. So I don't read a lot of like real life stuff. Um, again, largely because my first gaming experience was Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> <laughs> but all of that is Kingdom Hearts inspired. And... I think I would not enjoy the content that I enjoy today if it weren't for Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. Okay. So that's or two out of the three. If that you would be creating that content without Kingdom Hearts. I don't think I would be. Like, I right. wouldn't be writing my novel. Because my novel has many elements of this that I'm working on. It has many, these, these little deeper elements to it where, yes, it can stand alone on its own, but there's hints at a greater storyline that's coming. And mm -hmm. I love love, love dropping those hints. I am the kind of person who loves reading and writing stories that th once you understand the ending makes everything else have different significance. Mm -hmm. Those are my favorite kinds of stories. And I also do this in my uh, RPG setting. So when I run tabletop RPGs like Pathfinder, I run them in my own custom setting that has many of these elements where if you know more about the setting, it drastically recontextualizes everything that happened before it. Right. And I don't know. I, I love that kind of stuff. Just the little moments of tidbits, you know. I don't know. You can find them in lots of media, but I'm, I'm fascinated that you found that in Kingdom Hearts of all the games. I know, right? When I, when I first heard of Kingdom Hearts, I was almost out of, not out of college, out of high school into college by that point. And I, I saw it. It was like, this is a stupid kid's game. I, there's no thing deep or whatever about this. And somebody mentioned it to me about how much they fucking absolutely loved it and i was like how can you possibly like that game because i'd never seen gameplay of it i'd only seen it, it was like it's mickey and goofy and don't you know that dumbass donald and like yeah and so to really figure out that no it's got this massive expansive universe behind mm -hmm. it was like wow and why <laughs> yep absolutely and and it's just like there are so many little details like that and I really do think if you are someone who loves deep lore and little tidbits, if you've never played Kingdom Hearts, you really should give it a shot. Because I think 
there are so many little things to tear apart and dig into and you can see it immediately just in how Kingdom Hearts 2 opens. Kingdom Hearts 2 opens with you playing as this character called Roxas, and you have no idea who that is. And they slowly and surely drop hints about what it is until the end of the game. And if you know more about the lore, you can figure it out before then from the hints they give you. Mm -hmm. And it's fascinating It's to me. really fucking cool, I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so good. It is so worth playing. And um, I, I, think, I think especially if you love... If you love any of the things we talked about at this point, I think you sh really should give Kingdom Hearts a chance. Um, but we're not quite done for why I love Kingdom Hearts. And this, w this last one isn't really tied to the game itself, but it's tied to what the game represented as a whole. So, and I've titled this bit, The Love of the Niche. And I think the way to describe this is to kind of go into background of who I was in school, which was I was not a popular kid in school. Mm -hmm. I um, didn't get along with a lot of people. I had maybe one or two close friends. Um, and I wasn't very good at making friends. And I was bullied for being kind of weird and into weird things. Mm -hmm. And Kingdom Hearts was a weird thing, right? Like, it was not a thing. Like, like no one else was playing Kingdom Hearts. Everyone else was like, oh, look at this cool, like, Mario game or Call of Duty or Zelda or whatever. Yep. And... Kingdom Hearts was this weird little Japanese game off in the corner that had all these quote-unquote kids movies in it. And middle school is a place for people to be complete and total asshats to each other. Yep. And being asshats to each other means that if you don't like the popular things, you don't get to be popular. You don't get friends, basically. <laughs> yep. Exactly. But Kingdom Hearts took all of this weird stuff, Heartless and Sora with his spiky hair and goofy shoes and you know, Final Fantasy characters and all of these weird plot lines and this weird character called Riku. And again, like if you look at any of their clothing designs who are not the Disney characters, you're like, why does he love zippers so much? <laughs> His character designer <laughs> loves zippers. Zippers are fucking cool, okay? They are cool. And I like my onesie. Oh my God, yes. Yeah, Sora wears a onesie. And, and it's only the first, the first one, right? Only the first one. Um, and... All of that, though, is wrapped into this game that stars Disney characters, mm -hmm. right? These mainstream, money-grabbing, like, record-smashing movies that shaped a lot of our childhoods, I would imagine, or, like mine and, and yours and, and, and probably many of the people listening to this. It took all of this weirdness and slapped Disney into it. And there's something about having something that is still popular and mainstream tied together with something really weird that told my little kid brain that it's okay to be weird. Mm -hmm. It's okay to like weird, odd things, and it's okay to not necessarily fit in with the mainstream because not everything is going to. Mm -hmm. And in some ways that made me feel less alone for being weird because I found this community of people who all loved this game and were really weirdly way too into it. Like, I mean, I made, a keyblade as a kid and oh, there's a wooden oh, keyblade that my dad helped me make by the way it's actually it's really adorable. fucking accurate because my dad helped me make it and it's awesome but we never painted it so i need to dig it out somewhere hey, hey i'll paint it <laughs> my dad still has it and like it, it is ridiculously accurate because i was hyper obsessive about this and like i have on my shelf right now a bunch of kingdom hearts action figures that oh, i got yes. as a kid because they were so cool and i loved them um and I think all of that, though, drives me to 
there are so many things that I love that are weird, right? Like furry. I am a furry. I love the furry fandom. And that's weird. I love RPGs. And to many people, that's weird. It's more mainstream than it was now, but I got into it ages ago. And I love Magic the Gathering, and that was often viewed as weird. And I loved Yu-Gi-Oh! And I still love Yu-Gi-Oh! the anime, even if the game is trash. <laughs> um, like, there are all of these things. Like, right now, my apartment has fucking Kill a Kill, Doom, Kingdom Hearts, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, Cowboy Bebop, and My Hero Academia metal posters hanging on the wall. Mm-hmm. All of which are fairly niche things. My love of anime is is niche and not... I mean, I think anime is getting more popular. Again, some of this stuff is becoming more popular because it has really good qualities. But all of this stuff that I've fallen in love with, I fell in love because I recognized at an early age that there are things that I love that are not popular. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to love things that aren't popular. That's that's you. It's funny you mentioned anime because for me that sense of community came directly from people talking about different anime and people go like because I'll expound on this in a later episode I'm sure but uh, I found a little bit of escape from that no friends bullying stuff by coming home early and watching Sailor Moon and Inuyasha and stuff and when I found out you know other people did that too not necessarily those shows given things at the time but I, we were able to, you know, talk about this and share. I'm like, oh, no, you have to watch this one. It was so cool. And that's where uh, one of those friends in that group that I actually made from there was the one who mentioned uh, Kingdom Hearts. And I'm like, no, it's, like, actually fucking good. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And and it's... I, I can't overstate how much being into niche things has shaped my life. Mm-hmm. Because literally, without being niche, right, without... Kingdom Hearts making me love or, or, or making me want to love all these weird things that other people didn't like. Those, I never would have been into all the niche communities that I was into that led me to meeting my ex, which led me to being a furry. And without furry, I never would have figured out I was transgender because I figured that out by seeing other trans people. And the first place that I got to meet and interact with other trans people was the furry community. Hmm. And the furry community as an open is is a massively open community full of people who just care about each other and are okay with whoever you are. It's a community that is largely LGBT. And again, being in an environment that was so welcoming and friendly to that made me feel okay to explore it. And in many ways, therefore, Kingdom Hearts is literally responsible for the woman I am today. Emphasis on woman. <laughs> <laughs> I, and And I think, like, that element is one of the reasons why I will never not love this series and why it will always mean this much to me. And that's why, yes, I recognize that it has flaws. The Disney plot lines are dumb and there are these moments where it does really dumb things and the first game is unfair and the storyline is occasionally very cliched, more than occasionally very cliched. But all of it ties together into this package that was really impactful on a 12-year-old who was bullied way too often and felt alone in the world mm-hmm. and on top of it just being a really fun action rpg with a really fun story it also represents in many ways the journey was about sora finding his friends and yet i'm the one who walked away finding a bunch of friends <laughs> and i know that's cheesy it's just a video game but this game really did truly change my life 
And all of those kind of brings me down to what I think I, I want my final thoughts on this game to be, which is without Kingdom Hearts, I, I, I don't think I'd be a gamer. I don't think I'd enjoy video games um, as much if I didn't have a deep connection with this franchise. That love of video games also drove me into other hobbies like board games and writing and the desire to investigate stories on my own uh, of my favorite things also drove me into writing and this game status as a thing nerds did drove me to some of my favorite nerdy niche hobbies. I wouldn't be a furry, um, I wouldn't be trans or I would be trans and struggling with massive depression and dysphoria because I didn't know it. And all of that leads me to who I am today. So that's why I'm still inspired by Kingdom Hearts. Thanks for listening. Inspired by is the Story Thus Far Network podcast. You can email us thoughts about the show, topic ideas, or anything else that you want to discuss at staff at storythusfar.com. If you want to see other things that we've made, come check out our website at www.storythusfar.com. You can also find us on Twitter at at storythusfar or on Facebook at facebook.com slash storythusfar. If you'd like to connect with our community, you can find us on Reddit at r slash storythusfar and on Discord, which we'll have links to in the description. Anyway, thank you for listening to this episode of Inspired By. Join us next week when Aaron tells us about zombies, police, pints, and uh, blue goo. Thanks for listening.